are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. Welcome to Growth University. I'm so glad that you're here. I hope you brought a Bible, a notebook, or that you're going to open your Bible app or your note app and maybe take some notes. But last week, we began a new series on uh, prayer based on the book Whisper by Mark Batterson. And if you haven't read it, I highly recommend the book. It's an awesome resource, very inspiring. And it's our desire through the series to present a different perspective on the subject of prayer because prayer is more than just talking to God or talking at God. Prayer is not a monologue. Hopefully it's not. But prayer is intended to be a dialogue. We should pray every day. We should pray about everything. But we have to learn to listen to God. We have to learn how to listen to God. And I felt confirmation for this series this week. I'm doing a um, Bible reading plan through one of my apps on my phone. And I actually read in Exodus 33, and I'm going to look at a couple of these verses this week. In verses uh, 7 through 11 of Exodus chapter 33, um, the Bible tells us that Moses would go into the tent of meeting to talk with God. Doesn't that sound so amazing? Verse 9 says, As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of God, the pillar of cloud would come down and hover at its entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Verse 11 says, Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. That is so cool. I want that kind of relationship with God. But Moses is not the only person in Scripture that had this kind of relationship with God that was actually uh, referred to as a friend of God. The Old Testament is full of people who heard from God. We talked about Elijah last week. Surely he heard from God on a regular basis. And uh, many conversations with God are actually recorded in the Bible where God is speaking and then the other person is speaking. They're talking together. And then we get to the New Testament and God becomes a man in Jesus Christ. And Jesus walked the earth. He taught people. He sought people out that really no one else wanted anything to do with. He trained and discipled people to lead his church after he would... uh, Leave the earth. And so I believe it's a biblical concept to expect God to talk to us. I said it's a biblical idea that God would talk to us. And I can't teach on prayer without mentioning Bishop Grandad because his prayer life impacted my life greatly growing up. I was very close to him and I was always trying to be at their house. Uh, My dad's parents were just the most amazing people you would ever meet. Powerful people, spiritual people, and fun-loving people. They were a blast. And so we would have so much fun. And Granddad was a very humble man. He was a quiet man. He was always smiling. That's what people seem to remember the most about him is his smile. And I've mentioned this before, but I remember as a kid hearing him talk quietly in the hallway of the house or sitting alone, 
and he had like this bench in the hallway and he would be talking. And I remember a couple of times going up to granddad and sitting next to him, you know, and he'd pat my hand, acknowledge me a little bit. I'd say, granddad, who are you talking to? And he would say, well, I'm, I'm talking to Jesus. Oh, okay. You know. And so he was always good with the madness that we had going on in the background. He, he took the whole praying always thing very seriously, he never hushed us. He just knew if we were over there, he was going to have to talk to God somehow, I guess. But one day I remember walking up to him and he was just kind of sitting there. He wasn't talking. And so I say, Granddad, what are you doing? And he said, I'm praying. And I remember saying, but you're not talking. To which he very sweetly said, I'm listening. What an impression that obviously made on me to realize that part of the discipline of prayer, part of our practice of prayer should be to listen to God. We must learn to recognize and listen to God's voice. I want to read John chapter 10, verses 1 through 5 again. We read it last week. But just for review to set us up for tonight, Jesus is talking and he says, Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. What beautiful imagery Jesus is sharing with us. And it's later in this same chapter, John chapter 10 and verse 11, where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Psalms 100 verse 3 says that we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And so in these verses, Jesus tells us three things the sheep do in response to the shepherd's voice. And I want us to consider them as we get into our lesson. As God's people, we are to recognize his voice. We are to listen to his voice and we are to follow his voice. I think we should take note of these specific verbs that Jesus chose because they make important points for us to consider. Jesus said one of the ways that we would be identified as belonging to him is that we would recognize his voice. We know when it's God talking to us and that we would know when it is not God talking to us. The second thing, the the sheep listen to the shepherd's voice. Let's be clear. Let's be honest. We can hear and not be listening. Any spouses want to testify tonight? Get your blessing. I have learned in 17 years of being married to the Tom Ellis that I make special note in certain conversations of where I stood when I said certain things. We never talked about this, yet I was standing right here. And you were looking at your Mac when I was talking to you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. 
Do I have any parents that want to testify tonight? Jesus, help me, God. I was admonishing one of our kids recently, and I knew she was not listening to me. And I said, are you listening to me right now? To which she curtly replied, yes, I hear you. I feel like I'm living with Napoleon Dynamite right now. It was like this, yes, I hear you, oh. (laughs) To which I passionately replied, I know you hear me, but you're not listening. And this is the problem that we keep having. Because hearing and listening are not the same thing. But I digress. Back to the words of Jesus, the sheep... Listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And finally, he goes on. The shepherd goes on ahead of the sheep. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. He goes ahead. Thank you, God, for being willing to lead us. It's our privilege to follow the Lord, isn't it? There's great comfort in these verses for us tonight. And so we need to make certain that our walk with God reflects this illustration that Jesus uses in John chapter 10. Its simplicity should make us feel empowered, that God is not playing hide and seek with us. His will is not mysterious. It's not mystical. It's not a secret. It's not something that you and I, we have to prove ourselves worthy of knowing in order for him to tell us what we need to know. But we've got to learn to recognize his voice. We've got to learn to listen to his voice. And we have got to learn how to follow his voice. And so this begs the question tonight that we will hopefully begin to answer. How do we know when it is God's voice talking to us because I know I think for many of us we are willing we are ready we want God to talk to us we want God to answer us in really specific ways I've said things like if he'll just write it in the sky then I'll know or if I'll just open up my Bible and whatever voice or verse I point to that is the voice of God to me right now And then you point to Jesus wept or something, and you're like, that didn't help me at all. That was not what I was hoping for in this moment. But um, I want us to look at four languages tonight. There's seven total. We're only going to do four tonight that God uses to speak to us. And I have some darling little helpers that are going to come up here right now. This is our beginner quiz team. And so the first language that God speaks to us is through Scripture. Okay? Now remember what I told you? Where are you? Ava, Nathan, stand right here. Okay. Okay, we did rehearse this, but we forgot. It's okay. Aren't they cute? I've been around quizzing a long time, and and there's not a cuter team out there, I can tell you that right now. So, Ava, I want you to quote Psalm 119, verses 105 and 130, and don't look at the screen. Thy word, is, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Okay, 130. 
The entrance of thy words giveth light, it giveth understanding unto the soul. Very good. Okay, Nathan. Second Timothy three, sixteen and seventeen. Scripture. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Amen. All right. Kigi, Matthew 4, 4, and Job 23, 12. Don't look at the screen. <laughs> but he answered. The answer said it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Ready? Job twenty three twelve. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have seen the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Amen. All right, Isaac, your turn. Isaiah forty verse eight and Luke twenty one thirty three. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Amen. Give him a hand. All right, let's go back. Thank you, Coach Megan, for bringing him in here. The Bible is described as a lamp, a light, food for our souls, understanding to the simple. The word of God is described as being better than riches. It is eternal. It never changes. John said, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And so you could say it like this, God equals the Bible. They are one and the same. We cannot separate them. And so when we are reading the Bible, we are hearing the voice of God. And that's great news because you and I can hear the voice of God every day. Amen. And that's why it's so fundamental to our walk with God that we read, we study, we memorize the word of God like these kids are doing. Because we cannot have a relationship with someone that we are not in communication with. Because when we stop communicating with people, we lose our connection to them. And the word of God, his presence in our lives is no different. We have to be in connection. We have to be in contact with God through prayer. Uh, Mark Batterson makes a great statement in the book. He says, we don't just read the Bible. The Bible reads us. And that explains why sometimes we don't want to pick up that book. We don't want to hear it because it'll read us. It'll tell us things that we really need to know. And so there's great news for us tonight that when we are desperate to hear from God, the Bible never contradicts itself. And because we understand that God equals the Bible, we can go a step further to say that God never contradicts himself. Heaven and earth will pass away. That's what Isaac just quoted. But my words will never pass away. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God stands forever. And so I want to tell you something very important tonight, that God will never give you a word through a friend, through a sermon, a message in tongues, a prophecy that goes against his word. He will not do it. His word is... Is the same. And so sometimes we are waiting on God to speak and give us direction, but we are not actually doing what we already know to do. And so sometimes God might be waiting on us. Why would He give us more to do if what we already know to do we are not doing? 
Obviously, we can't handle the one, so why would he give us something else? Jesus said, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And so if we don't know and we're waiting, the first place we should always be looking is the scriptures. The word of God is powerful. It is clear and meant to be understood. Everything that we believe should be consistent with what is spoken in this book. And so the first language is scriptures. The second language God uses is desires. Psalms 37 verse 4 says, Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. In the book Whisper, Mark Batterson makes a great point that we often see our desires in a negative light. And while it's certainly true, the Bible makes us clear, makes it clear to us the heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who could know it, according to Jeremiah? But God can take our desires and make them like his desires. That's part of the transformation that happens in our lives when we commit our lives to Christ, when his spirit becomes a part of our daily reality. Because this is very interesting to understand that in the book of Genesis, God said it's good every time he assessed his creation. And that word comes from a Hebrew word that means joy. God was saying, this is good. This is enjoyable. This creation is bringing me joy. It reminds me of that old song we used to jam out to on Kemper Road. Joy unspeakable. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, yeah. That was the song because we're a happy people. Yes, we are. And I don't think, I'm convinced that you can read the word of God and feel like, man, living for God is just a bummer. It's so, like you know, easy, it's not fulfilling, it's, it's boring. I mean, his promises are yay and amen. Aren't they? Romans 14 verse 17 says the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. I believe that living for God, trying to live this word every day, brings fulfillment into our lives in a way that nothing else can. God delighted in his creation. It's the first emotion recorded in the scriptures. And it sets the bar high for us to understand that God created the garden for Adam and Eve to enjoy. The truth is desire was present in our world before sin was. Part of the miraculous change in our lives is that God transforms our desires to be like his desires for us. And so as we delight in the Lord, the Bible says, in the things of God, in the things that God loves and are important to him, he will in turn give us the desires of our heart. And so Quickly, I want to give you five caution signs that Mark Batterson gives to help navigate this emotional response of desire, all right? Number one, check your ego at the door. We must lay aside our ego every single day, as Avery would say. Number two, if you want it too much, 
You might want it for the wrong reasons. This could be a relationship. This could be a job, maybe a a position in ministry. And Mark Batterson says, if you're obsessed with it, it's most likely an idol in your life. Ouch. Number three, emotion is a great servant, but a terrible master. I think most of us have lived that at some point. It felt like a really good idea, an important commitment in the moment. And then over time, we were like, man, I should not have made that decision based on that feeling that is gone. And I'm still stuck with the decision. Number four, a key to discerning a God-given desire is to see if it increases or it decreases over time. Time's a great test. Is this desire from God? Well, let's pray about it for a while and see if how I feel about it changes. And then number five, a little emotional intelligence goes a long way. Nobody was more compassionate or more sensitive than Jesus. The Bible lets us know that. And so as we grow in our relationship with God, as we become more like him, he can help us control our emotions and use it as a gauge in a way that is helpful and not hurtful to us. The third language that God uses in our lives is doors. Revelation chapter 3 verse 8 says, I have set before you an open door. It's a sign. How many of you have ever used that expression? I want to play a clip, hopefully it'll work, that illustrates this for me wonderfully. Sound is good. Oh, we need sound or they're not going to get it. No? It's okay. It's not your fault. Okay, so this is the movie Bruce Almighty. And Bruce is mad at God and he's praying in this moment and he says, God, I just need you to talk to me. Would you just give me a sign? And this truck pulls out in front of him and cuts him off, and it's full of road signs that say, do not enter, enter detour, uh, rough road ahead, and all these signs. And so uh, I don't know if you've ever had an experience like that where you've prayed and you're like, something happens, you're like, is that a sign? Like, is God talking to me right now? Now, I want to acknowledge as we get into this idea that Jesus was very clear that we should not use signs as a litmus test for our faith, but we know, based on Scripture, that they do have significance. With Pharaoh, the plagues were certainly a way that God was talking to him. Noah got a really bizarre forecast from God to make it clear to him what God's intentions were. Joseph had dreams as a teenager Moses was stopped dead in his tracks by a burning bush. The wise men followed the star. Saul saw a light so bright from heaven that he, it knocked him off his horse. And Jesus was speaking to him through that experience. And so we have to acknowledge that God used these things to speak to people in the Bible. They were used by God to get that person's attention. But here's the key. We have to look at these things with the help of the Holy Spirit and with Scripture. Because there is no denying that God speaks through circumstances in our lives. 
And we need discernment in order to understand the language that God uses. And so now's a good time to ask this question. What is discernment? I think it's a a fancy Bible word that we can misuse or uh, misunderstand sometimes. And Batterson defines it in this way, and I really like it. He says, discernment is the ability to appraise a situation through supernatural insight. And so five tests for doors, quickly. Number one is the goosebump test. The will of God can sometimes feel like this rush. Have you ever been talking to somebody and they're telling you about something that God's doing in their life, and you're like, oh my word, I just got chills. That, that could be an indication that it's God. Number two is the peace test. The Bible says to follow peace. The Bible says to let the peace of God rule in our lives. Number three is the wise counsel test. Because nobody discerns the will of God alone. Nobody should try to discern the will of God alone. Number four is the crazy test. I love that. It's what he says. I didn't make it up. Because faith is a willingness to look foolish. There's no way you can read through the scripture and not get that impression of sometimes God will ask you to take a risk, ask you to do something that's a little bit out of the box. And number five, released from and called to. We may feel redirected at some point in our lives, maybe in our ministry involvement, maybe in our job situation. But, but here's a good thing to fall back on, that if we're not sure what the next step is, if we're not hearing from God specifically what to do about this change that we're feeling when we pray, then don't do anything. Do what he said to do the last time you heard from him. Keep doing that. And wait for him to tell you the next step. A great example of this language of doors is in Acts chapter 16 with the Macedonian call is what most people refer to it as. Where Paul was on his second uh, missionary journey in verses 6 through 10. And Bithynia was plan A. That's where Paul was headed. And in route there, Paul has a vision. He sees a man from Macedonia, and he is saying to Paul in the vision, come over to Macedonia and help us. And so thank God, Paul listened to that voice, listened to that vision, realized it was God speaking, and he took a little detour on that missionary journey. And it was so important because it was on the way to Bithynia that Paul met a woman named Lydia. And Lydia was at a prayer meeting and she was the first convert in the city of Philippi, which you and I know grew to be a great church, the Philippian church. Many believe that Lydia was actually the first pastor of the congregation in Philippi once the disciples handed it over. I don't know. Pretty cool. But it's a good thing that Paul made it there. It's a good thing that Paul listened to that vision because Lydia was an important leader in that brand new church. Sometimes, though, the doors that God speaks through are not actually opening. They are closing. God speaks through closed doors, too. And these are hard to deal with sometimes. But those closed doors are meant to protect us. They're meant to redirect us. They're meant to keep us from less than God's best for us. 
I have set before you an open door, Revelation says, which no one is able to shut. A mentor in my life taught me to pray this way, Lord, if this is your will, open the door so wide I can't miss it. And Lord, if this is not your will, close the door so tight that I can't pry it open on my own. That's a great way to pray, Revelation 3, verse 8. And finally, our our fourth language for tonight is dreams. God uses this language most often in Scripture. Jacob dreamed, Joseph dreamed, Daniel dreamed. Uh, The angel warned Joseph to take Mary and baby Jesus in a dream, to take them somewhere else. Paul certainly had dreams. Peter saw that that, uh, sheep coming down that that ended up sending him to Cornelius' house. Dreams are stories. They are images that our minds create while we sleep. They can be entertaining. They can be fun. They can be frightening. They can be absolutely bizarre sometimes. And dreams can be the result of a thought that happens within our subconscious. These thoughts are not active thoughts, but they're passive thoughts. But dreams are mysterious, aren't they? There's so many questions that we have about them that science still hasn't given us answers to, like why do we dream or what causes them? Can we control them? I certainly wish I could sometimes. Or what do dreams mean? But God can use our imagination, our dreams, or visions to speak to us. And so four rules for interpreting God-given dreams. Number one, not all dreams are God-given For some, most dreams are not. So we're not saying at all that if you dream tonight, there's spiritual significance. Might not be at all. Number two, God-given dreams do not contradict God's word. Number three, the meaning of God-given dreams are not always immediately discernible. We don't know what they mean right away sometimes. And number four, God-given dreams will be confirmed. And I want to tell you that God has used people in the past at the Calvary Church in this way and has done so this past year. I was a little intimidated when I was thinking about what to say about dreams because I know some people are very averse to that kind of thing. But it's biblical that God speaks in dreams. And today as I was praying, the Lord reminded me that um, our family, the six of us, were in a very serious car accident, I believe in 1995. And uh, we actually rolled our van. We were on our way home from National Youth Congress. Dad had actually preached in one of the services. And it was about 1.30 in the morning when we had our accident. And when Dad called Granddad and Grandma to tell them that we had been in an accident, they said, we know we're praying. They both had a dream that we were in a car accident. And they woke up and they were praying. We looked at the time. They were praying when the accident happened. We were the sixth accident that day. And our family, were, were, we were the only ones to walk away from the vehicle that was wrecked. So don't tell me <laughs> that God doesn't speak in dreams. I want to tell you this because I feel faith building that last year we had a member of this church come to Tom and I and say, 
I had a dream, and I feel under God. I need to share it with you. Do with it whatever you will. I'm just trying to be obedient. She told us the dream. Someone else had another dream. And I can tell you that this year, God has already confirmed that it was him talking, and he has given us direction through those dreams. So you don't have to be afraid of it because there's a way to know if it's from him. It'll be confirmed, and it'll be confirmed in his word. Amen. All right. So it's app time. Okay? Everybody loves it. You're so excited. This is easy. And let me just rest assured you don't have to pray for each other this week, okay? I know you were worried. All right? So here's our question for app time. Which of the four languages has God spoken to you in recently? We're just going to take like two minutes. We talked about scripture. Dreams, desires, doors. Look at somebody near you. Make sure someone has somebody to talk to. Tell them one of the ways it'll encourage them. Just wrap up what you're saying. I'll invite you to stand with me when you're ready. I want to read uh, two verses from Job chapter 26 for you as we close. The pillars of heaven tremble and are astonished at his rebuke. Behold, these are but the outskirts of his ways. And how small a whisper do we hear of him, but the thunder of his power. Who can understand? Whispering requires our full attention. Whispering requires intimacy. And so in order to hear God whisper, close proximity is required to hear from God as often as we need to we have got to pray prayer is required and so learning to hear the voice of God is imperative in our relationship with him and so as we close in prayer tonight I I would like for you to just ask God that if there's one of these four things that maybe he has tried to get our attention through scripture. Maybe there's a door of opportunity or maybe there's a door that's closing and we just haven't acknowledged it as we should. You know what? This is God's voice in my life. Maybe there's a desire that you have and you need to look at those caution signs when we went over to submit fully to God and say, God, this is what I want. I I think this desire is from you. But you know my heart, God. So I'm going to take some time and I'm going to pray about this. Maybe God has spoken you in a dream. Maybe God has used somebody else to speak into your life. They had a dream about you. They had something that God impressed on them. So take God at his word and prove the word. Look to God's word and say, God, is it you or is it me? Is it you or is it them? Because God's word, he will never contradict himself. And so there's safety in that tonight. We don't have to be afraid of these things like, God is speaking. No. God speaks in all kinds of ways to get people's attention. He speaks through animals. (laughs) Right? He speaks through bushes that are on fire and not consumed. God speaks in visions that says, I know this was your plan, Paul, but I really need you to take a detour right now. Because there's a really important uh, new believer named Lydia that you've got to meet right now. 
And if God spoke that way in the Bible, then guess what? He's the same. He will speak to us in that way. And so it's our opportunity, it's our responsibility to be in close enough proximity to God that when he speaks, we hear his voice, we recognize his voice, we listen to his voice, and we follow what his voice is telling us. Be encouraged tonight. God is talking to you. God will answer you. Jesus, I love you. I thank you for the assurance of your presence that is in this room right now. We are not alone. We are not left on our own to figure out what to do next. God, we have your word that is our litmus test. It is our checklist that whatever we're feeling, whatever people are telling us, whatever we think we're hearing from you. We can verify it in your word. And so, God, I pray that we would just feel empowered and encouraged tonight to know that we can learn to recognize your voice, that you want us to hear from you. You want to speak to us. You already are. And so, God, if you're speaking to us through scripture, Lord, make it clear to us. If you're opening doors, Lord, open them so wide we can't miss them. If you're closing doors, close them so tight that we can't force them open. God, if you put a desire in our heart that is from you as we pray about it, as we submit to your will about it, Lord, we believe that you'll do something with that desire. God, I believe that you want to speak to us in dreams. Peter quoted on the day of Pentecost, Joel's prophecy that in the last days, young men shall see visions and old men would dream dreams. It is still your desire to speak to us in that way. And we will not be afraid of it because we believe that your word is true and your word is the same for us today. In Jesus name I pray. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here tonight. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.